Well, Happy New Year. We're glad you're here today. We're going to kick off a uh, brand new sermon theme this, uh, this, this year. What, what a wonderful holiday season we enjoyed as a church family. Amen? Amen. We pray that God's richest blessings were you, you and your families during the season. I thought our kids' Christmas music presentation was fantastic. I don't know about you, but there's just something special about when the kids are there, right? You don't have to have anything super fancy or super special. Just give them the box with the wrapping paper. Nine times out of ten, that's all the happiness they need, right? Then when they get older, it doesn't matter how much, how many items you get. It's all about how many dollars did you spend on it. Um, and things start to change, and, that, you know, that happens. But I thought the kids' presentation was fantastic. I loved it. I thought our toy giveaway uh, with the hundreds of families that were blessed through that, what a, what a tremendous blessing uh, to be a part of. Uh, I'm excited that we're going to continue the ministry to single, single moms. Um, beginning in February, we're going to be launching a uh, single moms care group on Wednesday nights. Uh, and so we're, we're excited about that and all that that has in store for it. Um, the ladies uh, who came through the toy giveaway were just ecstatic about the opportunity uh, to have somebody in their own corner that's on their side, a um, place where they can get together with others who are in the same struggle of life. And so we were, were really excited about this opportunity that God's placed in front of us. I thought our, our Christmas Eve service was fantastic. What a great uh, turnout that we had for that. Uh, in fact, the turnout was so much better than uh, we anticipated. We ran out of candles, and we had to dig out some more real fast. And so uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a great service. I loved every minute of it. Um, it's always a ton of fun watching that. And then today, uh, with the launch of our, our Spanish service, I just want to tell you, this pastor's heart is full just from the last month of what God has been doing. Amen? A lot, a lot of fun. And so we're excited about what God has in store for this year, for 2018. I believe uh, that it's going to be a year where we engage God's Word like we have never done before. Uh, I believe it's going to be a year where we're going to uh, engage it and apply His principles to our lives like we've never done before. And it's going to make a difference in our living, our giving, our caring, and our sharing. And so over the course of this year, as we dig into this, uh, especially in the upcoming months as we dig into this, we're going to see how God's Word being alive and active in our life makes a huge difference. Amen? God's Word being alive, it, 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 there's one thing to say, oh, yeah, 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 I believe in the Bible, but I've never read it. It's one thing to say, yes, I'm a Christian, but not follow Christ. I believe as we get into God's Word, and this year I believe as, as we uh, engage it more and put it into practice in our life, we're going to see some pretty remarkable things happen, not only in our lives, but in the world around us. After all, our, our text for today in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, um, it reads this way. It says, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. We could stop right there and preach a sermon every week for the rest of our lifetime because the Word of God is alive and powerful. Amen. For those of you that don't believe it yet, you will by the end of this. It's alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Now, I learned something a long time ago. Have you ever cut your hand with a knife? How many of you have ever cut your hand with a knife? Now, my, my granddad was a chef. My dad, early on in his life, uh, worked in the meat packing, meat processing plant. Um, that my, grand, my granddad owned at one time, and then when we lived in Colgate and he was pastoring, he would help out there. 
uh, small town, small church, did what you do to make ends meet, and he would work there. Just uh, this last year, he was at the house, and I had cut my hand, and he reached over and grabbed the knife and felt the blade, and he said, well, of course you cut your hand. It's a dull knife. I looked at him the same way y'all are looking at me. That is an oxymoron if I have ever heard it. You cut your hand with a dull knife. I thought that was the case with a butter knife. He said, oh, no, 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 son. No, no, no. A dull knife is much more dangerous when you're trying to use it than a sharp knife is because a dull knife won't cut through everything it's supposed to cut through, but a sharp knife will always cut through everything it is intended to cut through. Now let that sink in for just a minute for you spiritually. A dull sword is how we get injured spiritually. When we don't know the Word of God, when we've not spent time sharpening our understanding of the Word of God and knowing it inside and out, allowing it to be applied to our life, a dull sword causes us harm, causes us danger, because we, we tend to take the bits and pieces that we like and try to make a life out of it, and that's not the way it's supposed to work. When we know the Word of God and it's sharper than a double-edged sword in our hearts and in our lives, then we can really make some, um, do some damage to the enemy's territory. But we've got to know what the Word of God says. We've got to engage it, because the Bible says it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It divides the soul and the spirit. It can divide our feelings from the truth. It can divide what we think to be true to what actually is true. We're living in a day and an age on the earth today that literally we're not going to be able to believe what we hear and see any longer. What they're able to do with computers and matching things up and auto generation of voices in a video and making people say what they didn't say and putting it all into place is becoming just astonishing. Think about some of the greatest movies that are in place today. They, they put literally these costumes on people that are, are, are people, and they put them in front of a green screen or a blue screen, and they act it out, and they can take that and shape them into the animals in, in these movies. Imagine what's going to happen when a character goes in front of, a person goes in front of a blue screen, and they're all dressed up, and they have all the, the points in place for the computer to make them look like anybody they want to look like. You're going to have all kinds of things happen in our world in in the coming days where you're going to think you've seen, let's say, the president on the TV giving a speech and it wasn't the president on the TV. You're going to have all kinds of things like that, things that you're going to hear on the radio that are not what was said. They're not the person speaking that you think that you hear speaking. If we don't know what the Word of God says, we're going to be fooled into a lot of things in the near future. We're going to be fooled into believing that someone would have said that when they never said it at all. All you have to do is spend five minutes on Facebook, and you can find a lot of things that people didn't say. We've got to know what this says if we're going to stay solid in the coming days. As we race towards the end of time, we better know what the Bible says. You know, over over the, uh, the, the week between Christmas and New Year's in my own devotion time, I was reading through the book of Revelation. And I thought, Lord Jesus, why revelation during this time I'm supposed to be having fun with my kids? Now it just makes me want to go hide in a bunker somewhere. Become one of those, you know, those, those uh, doomsday preppers. When I think about what's coming, more than ever before, there's an urgency that should grip our lives. That the, the soon return of the Lord Jesus is at hand. 
And we better be ready when that day comes so that he'll find a pure and spotless bride, not caught up in all of the affairs of today, but one that is wholly devoted unto him and him alone. Amen? We've got to stay plugged into what the Word of God says. It says that it divides between soul and spirit, down to the innermost thoughts and desires. So this is where we're going to start this year in the Word of God, because God's Word is powerful. Amen? God's Word is powerful. I heard a story about a little old lady who had returned home. Uh, She was a widow. She lived home alone. She returned after her weekly Sunday morning service to find a a burglar there ransacking the house. And as she came in, it frightened her, and he turned and began to run. And she yelled, stop, Acts 2.38, which says to repent. And the burglar stopped dead in his tracks, stood frozen in time as she walked over, picked up the phone, dialed 911, waited for the police to get there, still standing perfectly still. The officer handcuffs him and says, son, I don't understand something you are going to end up on the list of America's dumbest criminals. Well, why is that, officer? Why did you stop when she quoted a Bible verse? She didn't quote a Bible verse at me. She said, I've got an ax in 238s. (laughs) Now, whether that's the power of God's word or that's the power of stupidity, either way, God's word won out, amen? We've got to engage God's word because it is powerful. But if we're going to engage it more, uh, uh, more purposefully this year, then we've got to believe what it really says. We've got to believe that as we read these scriptures, they're true. We've got to believe that as we read in there that by, my, by his stripes you are healed, that that really does apply to me today. When we read in there and and acts that you and your entire household will be saved. We've got to believe that that's true. Whether we've seen that promise fulfilled in our life yet or not, doesn't mean that God's word is not true. It means it hasn't lined up in our lives yet to see the promise fulfilled, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to come to pass. We've got to believe that it's true. But we've got to dig into the word. On Wednesday nights in our Wednesday night adult Bible study, uh, we're reading through the Bible in one year. We've put out a reading plan Uh, There are copies of it available in the connection point if you want one of those. It's not too late to get on board. You can read through it with us all together. If you want to read through on your smartphone or your device or online, I'll put a uh, a link to the reading plan that we're doing there. You can just jump in and join us. And on Wednesday nights, what we're doing is we're taking uh, that whole, what we've read the past week, and we're going to have our our lessons, our, our sermons, our studies come from what we've read. So we're going to be reading about it all together, talking about it on Wednesday nights, reading all together, talking about it on Wednesday nights. So if you don't come on Wednesday nights, this is a good opportunity for you to come, get plugged in, and read the book, start in the book of Genesis. That's where we're at. It's a great opportunity. Here's the truth. We have to dig into the Word of God, amen? We've got to dig in. We've got to get to know the Word. We've got to let the Word of God get to know us because that's how we get changed. Out of all of the words that have ever been spoken by man, that have ever been known to man. The word of God is more powerful than all of them, amen? Out of all of the words ever uttered, in philosophy, with all of its unending questions, it fails in comparison to the word of God, amen? Science, with its, uh, its concepts and its fundamental beliefs, does not measure up in any way to what God's word has said. 
If you take all of the prominent speakers throughout all of the ages, compiled their words all together and compared what they have said to what God's word has said, their words will be as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. It does not compare. There has never, ever been an individual or a group that their words carry the authority or carry more authority than God's word. It's never happened. In the history of mankind, God's word has always, always, always won out. Family, what I'm telling you is that his word has more power to change lives, lift up those heads that are hung low, and soothe our weary souls because his word is powerful. His word is powerful and effective. His word instructs us how to live righteous. His word tells us when we're living unrighteous. His word, it directs our paths. It lights the way ahead of us. There are no words spoken or written that have the same effect or the same power as God's words do. None of them. Not Buddha, not Allah, not not any of the other supposed gods all throughout history have ever in, in, in one Uh, one moment had something that compared to what the Word of God says. The author that we just read in Hebrews, he understood that. He believed that. He said, you know what, there is no doubt in my life, and he says it right up front. He's convinced in his own life that the Word of God is powerful and it is effective because he starts by saying that it's alive, right? God's Word is alive. God's Word is alive. It's, It's not dead. I know as in kids' church, we were taught to sing these songs, God's not dead, no, he's surely alive, my God's not dead, right? We, we, we sang that, and then, and then the newsboys came along and, and wrote a new song about God not being dead. He's living on the inside, roaring on the outside. It's, God's not dead, but we, the reason we know that God's not dead is because his word is alive. It's living, it's active, it works in our hearts, it works in our lives. There have been many times throughout history that the people in the world have tried to extinguish the word of God, but it has failed every single time it has failed. Every time they've collected the Bibles to burn them, the word of God has passed the test. It has sustained people. It has kept them so that they were willing to die in order to preserve the copy that they had. There's a reason why they do that, and it's because the word of God is alive. Fabricated fairy tales will not hold up on the test of time that the word of God has passed time in and time out because God's word, it lives, it breathes, it's alive, and it's living inside of us. Jesus told us that this would be the case in Matthew 24, 35 when he said heaven and earth are going to pass away or disappear, but my words will never pass away. It's not going anywhere, people. This word is not going to go anywhere. I don't care if tomorrow they called for an immediate uh, dismissal and book-burning party to get rid of every Bible in this country. It's never going to happen. It will never go away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, in my life in general, I'm, I'm really learning to try to not use emphatic phrases, absolute phrases, right? They always come back to bite you. Like when people say, I love Taco Bell, and the next day they can't get away from the toilet. Or when parents say, I love McDonald's. No, you don't. You love that your kids give you 10 minutes of a break when, they, when you take them to McDonald's. Or I will never carry my wife's purse. Absolute emphatic phrases always come back to bite me. Always. See, there's one for you. 
The truth is, though, Jesus didn't mind emphatic, absolute phrases because his word is never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, ever going to fail. It's never going to pass away. He could say that because it's an absolute truth. It is 100% certain that his word isn't going where it's alive and powerful in our lives. And not only will it never pass away, but the word says that it will always accomplish its task because it's active and effective. Isaiah 55, 11. So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. His word is going to accomplish what I please. It never fails. Not only will it never pass away, but it never fails. It's powerful. God's word is so powerful that the very fabric of our cosmos was woven together in place by the spoken word of God. The Bible says in Genesis that God stepped out in the middle of nowhere, took the stars in his hand, and he flung them out into nowhere and told them to stay there. And he did it all by the word of his, his spoken word, by just throwing them and saying, that's it, stay where they're at. And exactly that's what happened. The reason we have what we have today is because the Bible says, God said, and it was. God said, let there be light, and there was. Let there be this, and it happened. God's word framed our world. It framed our cosmos. It framed everything that we have. Not only is God's word powerful, not only is it effective, not only is it all of that, but it is sharper than a two-edged sword, which means that his word has this uncanny ability, this unique ability to cut going in and cut coming out. As we allow it to work in our hearts, it divides us with surgical precision. The power of his word is so exact that even down to the motive of our heart, every motive is laid bare before him. If we're liars, guess what? His word will reveal it. If we're sexually immoral and promiscuous, guess what? His word reveals it. If we're a lying cheat and a backbiter and a gossip, guess what? His word is going to reveal it. See, as a child, as a child of God, we are responsible Look at your neighbor and say, you're responsible. Now look back at that neighbor and say, I'm responsible. Because I want us to get it that we all, as children of God, bear this responsibility for not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. We've got to allow it to work in our lives. Since we, we, we bear witness We've got to bear witness to what God's word says. We've got to bear witness in our own lives that the power of God's word has taken effect in our heart. It's imperative that we spend more time in God's word so that it affects us more. The thing about every good thing is the more we know, the more it changes us. The more we engage and interact with it, it changes us. It makes a difference. It's kind of like if I find a new Mexican restaurant and I tell you all about it, guess what happens? It changes us. Our pants swell. Our waistline grows. That's not the kind of growing ministry that we want. But when we have something good and we share it, things change. Guess what? That's what happens when we take God's word and we apply it to our lives. Things begin to change. We begin to share it with everybody we know. Why? Because we've engaged in it and it's making a difference in my heart. And it's making a difference in your heart. That's what God's word does. It changes us. God's word moves us. It shapes us. Because there's power in his word. See, it's one thing to read the Word of God like a novel. Read it. 
Know it inside and out. Read it. Know it inside and out. But don't just read it like a novel. Read it and allow it to read you. Allow it to dig into your life. Allow it to, uh, to, 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 to really take root in our heart. See, it's one thing to read it like a novel. It's another thing to study it. It's another thing to meditate on his word and to memorize it deep down in our hearts so that there's instant recall. There have been plenty of times in my life that I couldn't have told you what verses meant, but in the heat of the battle when, when Satan's attack is on hot, all of a sudden I can remember the word of God that I memorized 10, 15, 20 years ago. All of a sudden it just comes back and I'm reminded that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I'm reminded that there is no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. I'm reminded that there is nothing that can change in my life because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he lives inside of me, Amen. Either we believe it or we don't. You see, it's amazing to me how many Christians have access to this awesome, amazing, uh, uh, overwhelming, powerful tool and yet fail to use it. It's amazing to me. It blows my mind how Christians will spend more time in gossip than they will in the gospel. It's interesting to me how many folks never study God's word until the time of crisis happens. And then all of a sudden, they're on their phone looking for a Google app to do a Google search. What does the Bible say about this? And they're looking for some website that has 365 promises for you today because they haven't ever spent time getting to know the word of God. They've not ever read it cover to cover. They don't know what it says. They've never allowed it to be applied to their lives. Friends, we've got to change that in our world today by engaging what God's word says. We've got to take this. We've got to put it down deep. After all, the Bible still says that how, how can a young man keep his ways pure? It's by living according to your word. The Bible still says I have hidden your word in my heart, not just in my brain, but in my heart so that I might not sin against you. The Bible still says that the word of God is powerful and effective and living and active in my heart and in my life. No matter what you're facing, no matter what trial has come your way, the word of God still has the answers. Let's not wait for the moment of crises to happen before we go looking for the answers. Let's get to know every answer we're going to need before the crises ever happens. Friends, listen, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me today when I say this. There is real power in God's word. Real power. Not, not like the power that we think we possess. All of a sudden, you know, it's just going to come out of nowhere. A car falls on you and the adrenaline's going to kick in and you're going to lift the car up. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about real, real power to send the devil running. Real power to overcome whatever has come our way. Real, real power. The power of God's word that helps sinners become saints. By the power of God's word, dismal and defeated lives are transformed into victorious disciples. The power of his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The power of his word is the key that unlocks hardened hearts. His word is a bed to rest upon. His word is a sure foundation. It's bread to the hungry, comfort to the lonely, hope to the hopeless. His word is rest to the weary. Even though the winds of persecution may blow against us, it still remains. Amen? Even though the waves of immorality have lashed out against us, his word still remains. Amen? Even though the sharp acts of atheists have tried to cut, cut it down time and time again and make a mockery of it, his word still remains today. 
But let me tell you why I am so thankful for God's word. Because you see, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Jesus Christ is the living word. And it's the living word of God that has saved a wretch like me. Friends, if nothing else, that would be enough for me. Because his word was powerful enough to reach down in that 17-year-old boy's life, deliver him from drugs, alcohol, and everything else that was going wrong in my life at that time, and set my feet on a solid rock to stay. And if that was all he had ever done for me, that would be enough for me to live my life for him for the rest of my days. But friends, it didn't stop there. His blessings have been new each and every morning. His mercies have been sure. His word has been a solid rock that we could stand upon and live our lives upon and build our future on. His word remains the same. You don't have to look anywhere else, friends. His word is the same. I want to tell you a story about a a man named Alberto Silva. Alberto lived in a leper colony. He lived there for more than 35 years at the time this story came to light. He was 65 years old. When he was in his 20s, he had become a follower of Jesus Christ. After he got saved, he started to read the Bible and started to memorize it. He became a deacon in his church, and a few years later, he was diagnosed with leprosy and was sent to live in the leper's colony on his island. Over the years, because of the condition that he had, he lost his fingers, he lost his eyesight, his ears, his nose, but never did he lose his love for Jesus. Alberto serves as a deacon in the church that functions there on the leper's colony and is a living testimony of the love of God. And if that were where the story ended, that would be enough. What an amazing testimony of a man who stayed faithful even when life betrayed him. But over the years, Alberto had memorized more than a thousand verses of Scripture. And he can quote them one by one. He can quote Psalms chapter 119 verse by verse from beginning to end. All by memory. Because you see, he can't read. He's lost his eyes. He has a beautiful voice. and He uses it to praise the Lord. And routinely, the nurses and the workers there at the colony ward, they begin, when, when they're going through difficult times, they don't go find the local preacher. They don't, they don't go find anybody else there who doesn't have any issues. No, no, they go sit by bed number 53. Bed number 53 is Alberto's bed. And they sit beside it and they ask Alberto, would you quote me some Bible verses and sing a song? Tears fill their eyes as they walk away from that small, frail man who has a giant heart assured that Jesus loves him. Because the same Bible that was true when he was completely whole and well was still just as true when he was frail and being betrayed by his body and by disease. Because the word of God is powerful and effective and he realizes that this is not the end goal. The end goal is not to stay here on earth whole and completely well. The end goal is to make it to heaven where there is no more sickness. There is no more sorrow. There are no more tears. To make it to heaven where there is no more pain, no more suffering. To make it to heaven where forever and ever we sit with the King of kings and the Lord of lords and we get to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with the same Jesus that this entire Bible was written about. Because the word of God is powerful and effective not just for today, but to get us all the way home. You see, it doesn't matter what life has given you or what life has taken away from you. What matters is that we never lose sight of the fact that God's word is powerful. 
Every time life throws you a lemon, get out the word of God and find a way to make it lemonade. Because it is sugar to the sorrow. It is salve to the, to the broken. It is what we need today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know what? Man, that's hitting me right where I'm at. I'm struggling to believe that God's promises and his word is powerful enough to help me through what I'm dealing with. You see, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what my family's been through. You don't know what we received, what word or diagnosis we got this week. You, you don't know what I'm facing. Friends, I don't have to. Because the same Jesus that this word was written about, the same Jesus who is the living word, lives in you and lives in me, and he has all of the answers that you're going to need. But maybe today you don't know him, and today you want to come to know him. You want to get to know him. You want to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You've backslidden, you've wandered away from the Lord, and today you want to return. So if today you need God's grace and forgiveness and repentance, would you slip up a hand? Allow sin to creep in and it's keeping you from God or you've never known him, okay? Who else? Look at from your right to your left. Who else? Come on. Look by uplifted hands. All right. In a few moments, we're going to invite you to prayer. But here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. You've not seen the power of God's word proven out in your life. Come on, let's be honest for just a minute. Everybody look this way. Can we just be honest, not only with each other, but with ourselves? Sometimes we don't want to believe that God can heal us, that God can do what his word promises, because the last time we prayed, nothing happened. Can we just be honest? I have a feeling this is going to be an un unlike any altar call you've ever heard today. Because I want us to confront the fear, the worry. How about the skepticism? Well, see, friends, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road for us Westerners. God's word didn't really say that. It didn't really mean that. That's not for today. Come on, don't fall in that camp that explains everything God's word says away. Don't try to explain it away that that's not for today just because we didn't see it in our own lives. Listen, friends, God's word says that his promises are yes and amen. They are for today because his word is powerful and effective, dividing even down to the soul and the spirit. He can divide what's true and what is our own heartfelt desire and wishes that are not lining up with his word, and he will replace them. Psalm 37, 4, I will give you the desires of your heart. And not, not just like, yeah, I'm going to give you whatever you want, but he's going to put the desires in your heart he wants. Let's stop and back up for just a second and say, not only is this a powerful word, but this powerful word says that you're a sovereign God. So I want us to take a moment and just look inside. Every head bowed and every eye closed one more time. Maybe today you're, you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I love Jesus. I'm just not sure his word's been proven out in my life and I'm struggling today. Are you struggling today? Would you be honest and lift up a hand if that's you? You're just struggling to, God, I want to believe your word, but I don't know how to. Okay. 
Now, if you raised your hand or you should have or you need prayer for anything, in just a moment, our elders are going to come. They're going to gather around these altars, and they're going to be ready and waiting to pray with you and to believe God for his absolute best in your life and to help you to get into connection with the promises of God for what you're facing today. And so if you raised your hand, or you should have, either way, just a moment, I want you to come as they make their way. So all across the room, would you stand right where you're at? Elders, prayer team, would you make your way down around these altars? If you raised your hand, go ahead and begin to move now. Get out of your seat while they're moving and come with them, and we're going to agree and we're going to believe God for what it is you need in your life today. Come on, now's the time. Begin to make your way. This is also the opportunity, if you need prayer for anything, you got a doctor's appointment this week, you need God to do anything in your life, then you know what? This is the time. We want to agree with you. These men and women are full of God and full of the Holy Spirit. So if you raised your hand, you wandered from sin, there were several hands that went up. You've allowed sin to creep in and separate you from God. This is the chance to come. If you need prayer for any reason, begin to make your way as...